The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Monday morning, May the 16th, 2022. It is 8.03 on your uh, Monday morning here, and whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're listening via the live stream, which can be found on ESPNTucson.com or via the uh, any Alexa-enabled device, I appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show as we're here every Monday, Friday, uh, 7 to 9 a.m., and trying to keep it uh, live, local, and you know, I know that you have a, a choice of where you lend your ears to gather your sports news and entertainment and information and certainly in opinions, uh, and I appreciate you choosing the Jeff Dean Show here on the weekday mornings here at ESPN Tucson. Uh, U of A baseball over the weekend had a monumental task. We talked about it last week as they were getting ready to host Oregon State, the number one team in the country. Baseball America's number one team in the country. That's good enough for me. They seem to be quite the authority on uh, on who to rank at what uh, at what certain time and you know people that actually like watch the games and then vote. Um, they were, you know, Oregon State for all intents and purposes, number one number one team in the country. Coming into Tucson and a team that had not lost back to back games all season <laughs> Lost back-to-back games over the weekend to the Arizona Wildcats. As look, it, it was it started. It didn't start great, right? Because the Wildcats got beat twelve to nine on Friday at High Corbett. A, you know, a, a, a rousing kind of I don't want to say back and forth game, but certainly you know twenty-one runs scored in the game. It was a very exciting game for the fans uh, to be able to see. But unfortunately, the Wildcats end up on the wrong side of the scoreboard on that one. And then game two on Saturday, a pitcher's duel that Arizona won by a score of 5-2, to two, which was, you know, obviously a, a great win for the Wildcats to even up that series at that point in time. And then yesterday, get the big win as they take home the series. And, look, it, it, was, it was such a necessary series win for the Wildcats. They couldn't get the sweep. You're, you're, look, you're not going to sweep teams like Oregon State, whether you're playing them at home, whether you've got uh, you know everything going right for you. That's a great baseball team as well. We know that. It's been a great program for quite some time. Uh, but taking two out of three certainly solidifies your position now, uh, are the Arizona Wildcats, to get a postseason bid. You know, there was some talk that maybe they were playing themselves out of the postseason. They hadn't, you know, beaten two of the worst teams in the in the conference, or they lost a series to Washington State earlier. They lost a series to USC just a week ago, and things weren't going in the right direction for the Wildcats. And I even said last week, you know, they have every opportunity right now to turn things around for themselves, to turn things around for this season. And now, sitting at 35-18 and 18 on the year, and 16 and 11 in the conference. Now, granted, they have slipped down into fourth place behind UCLA. Uh, now, who had a a, a weekend sweep uh, over? Uh, uh, who did they who did they sweep over the weekend? I can't remember who they swept. They 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 beat the pants off somebody. Was it Utah? Maybe it's USC. Anyway, uh, they had a, they had a, a weekend sweep. Did UCLA? They've moved up into third place. They're essentially one game ahead of the Wildcats in the standings right now. But Arizona going to be traveling up to Eugene this weekend to take on the Ducks, who are currently seated fifth 
in the conference right behind the Wildcats, and they are fighting for a postseason bid as well. After that, the, the, the rest of the teams don't have, don't have a chance at getting into the postseason. Arizona State continues to give up like 13 runs a game. Their pitching is absolutely awful. They're under 500 for the season now, 25 and 27 on the season. And then after that, Washington, Cal. Cal had a nice weekend against New Mexico. They scored like a million runs. Uh, but they draw even 25-25. They're not going postseason. Uh, Utah, Washington State, and USC all going to be sitting at home for the postseason unless they somehow put it together and win the Pac-12 baseball tournament, the first ever Pac-12 baseball tournament, which I'll be announcing, by the way, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, up here in Scottsdale. So looking forward to that. Some college baseball. Love it. Um, So Arizona now, again, sitting fourth. As I mentioned, they're going to be traveling to Eugene, but get the huge series victory over the Oregon State Beavers. And there was a little – there was some fireworks last night, uh, and not just on the scoreboard – as I don't remember, you know, who like all the players that were involved in the whole thing. Um, but I know that Otremba was involved and there was a quick pitch in the, in the, in the like in the, the at bat, uh, the Oregon state pitcher had, had quick pitched Otremba to get the strikeout. Well, the umpire basically said, no, 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 you didn't come set. Uh, so there was, you know, no time had been established essentially. So, they retroactively essentially called time to disallow the pitch. And then on the next pitch, the the pitcher, whoever it was, I mean, deliberately just standing there, make sure he came set and was set for was like 10 seconds, man. And then throws a bead right at Otremba, like right at the upper upper body of Otremba, hit him in the shoulder. Uh, but not a not a friendly place to be throwing fastballs for sure, and there's no place in the game for that. To be honest with you, like that's just uh, that's despicable. That you don't you don't do that, and for the umpires not to throw him out of the game is even more despicable. It was obvious head hunting, obvious. Uh, but nonetheless, Wildcats get the last laugh as they get the win. They get the victory, uh, ten to five last night or yesterday, I should say. And uh, Arizona, interestingly enough, the Wildcats now over 100,000 in attendance for the season for the fourth time, uh, not consecutively because of the COVID year and all that stuff, but essentially fourth time consecutively um, in, in a full season of putting over 100,000 fans in the seats for Wildcat games, which is fantastic. Like, I, I know it's hot out there, folks, and there was only 3,000 people there yesterday in the middle of the hot sun and I get it, and I appreciate, and so does the team, obviously. Uh, the program appreciates you all being out there to support them. And they couldn't have done it without you, honestly. Uh, so, once again, the fans showing up for baseball and being rewarded with a big series win. So, very, very excited about that. Uh, look, this I don't know what this team is going to do in the postseason. We've seen in the history of, of Wildcat baseball that a it's it's almost like the year that Arizona won the national championship in basketball. They came in as you know they were the five seed in the Pac-12, and they you know just they did not have a great season. They ended up you know they lost their last three games of the year in the Pac-12. Things weren't going well for them, and then they just get on a run. And we've kind of seen that out of baseball over you know in in a couple of their championship runs as well, especially like the 2012 team where things just kind of all came together at the right time at a team that was a lot. I mean, honestly, 
that team similarly a very similar season to what this team is having. And I'm not sitting there saying that this team is destined to win a championship because of what happened in 2012. I'm just saying, like, for people out there, it's like, oh, this team is, you know, obviously rebuilding into the loss of the head coach and all this other stuff. I, I don't know so much. Let's, let's not – let's let's if, if we've learned anything in sports, it's certainly not to, uh, uh, to crown a team before or discredit a team before they can get to the finish line. So – um, I'm still very excited about what Arizona baseball can do. I think they can play. Obviously, they can. They've, they've shown that they can play with the best teams in the country, the best team in the country. Uh, as the aforementioned Oregon State Beavers were the number one team in Baseball America's top 25. So, And the number two team in the NCAA, whatever. That's the number one team to me. That's how I'm going to that's how I'm going to write the story of this season when they took a two out of three series against the number one team in the, in the country. <clears throat> Now, Arizona softball, <laughs> things were not going well early, and they ended up, you know, finishing pretty well, <clears throat> although they did get run-ruled uh, over the weekend. But nonetheless, they are going to be postseason bound once again, this time for the 35th consecutive year, which is, <laughs> which is remarkable, uh, to say the least. So super, super happy for uh, – for, uh, for the for the softball team, of course, with Caitlin Lowe taking over for the great Mike Candrea this season, you know it was uh, it was it was it was a, a a gentle handoff, but it wasn't such a a gentle transition. We'll just put it that way. It was Caitlin Lowe, and that team did struggle. I mean, they got run ruled a bunch of times. They got perfect gamed a couple of times this year. No hit several times. Offense wasn't there a lot of the, a lot of the times. But again. You've got a championship pedigree program, and now they're going to be taking on uh, Illinois in the regional on Friday. You're going to be heading out to Missouri to, to, you know, to go to the regional. There was with, with uh, Illinois, Missouri, and is it Missouri State, I think it is, that's also in that regional with them. So, uh, you know, Caitlin Lowe and the team are going to be heading out there, and we'll see if they can, you know, put together a nice series win there in that regional and then move on. We'll see what happens. Missouri's pretty good. The SEC has really stepped up their game. Uh, and it certainly helps when you have football making zillions of dollars to be able to then, uh, you know, filter down through all the rest of the programs so everybody else is able to elevate their uh, their programs as well. So, uh, yeah, Missouri, the number 15 overall seed, they were 36-20 and 20 this year. Illinois, 34-20, and 20, and then Missouri State is the other team in that bracket, as I mentioned, 27-18 and 18, um, for them. The Wildcats. Uh, earned one of the 32 at-large bids. Their RPI was a 42, which, you know, not great, obviously, um, but just enough to get them in. Of course, the Pac-12, Pac-12 teams are going to get uh, favorable, I think, you know, w- when the committee looks at, at spe- specifically with softball, the Pac-12 does get favorable preference over a lot of the other conferences because they know the makeup of these Pac-12 programs for softball, no one is going to deny that. As I mentioned, the SEC is you know moving up that list rapidly, uh, and the Big Twelve always represents extremely well in softball as well. But you know the Pac-12 is going to get that you know they're going to they're going to get that nod. And I know that <clears throat> that the, you know Arizona State fans are upset right now because <clears throat> pardon me, UCLA uh, got a higher seed than uh, than Arizona State did. Arizona State was the regular season champs in, in softball. And they beat UCLA head to head this year, 
uh, but the RPIs speak very, very differently. UCLA, a number five, I think top five RPI team in the in the country this year. So, um, very, very good, you know, programs all up and down the Pac-12. And uh, so we wish the the uh, the women's team all the best as uh, they travel out to Missouri to uh, to take on. They're going to face Illinois, a, a tough a tough test, a Big Ten team. Um, you know, not a whole lot of them. You know, Michigan they usually do pretty well in, in softball. Um, and then every once in a while you get another team, you know, you know that, that kind of jumps up in there. But, yeah, Illinois kind of a, a surprise in my opinion. But uh, Arizona going to get their, their chance at them and uh, wish them all the best, and we'll be rooting for them again. That game is, is uh, Friday, Friday at 1.30 uh, for, the, for the Wildcats and the Illini. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, not a whole lot of other local news going on uh, as far as, you know, the Wildcats go. Basketball, things been – you know, pretty quiet, you know, since we talked about it last week. Um, football, only real news was that Trevon Mason signed a uh, signed a, a free agent deal, an undrafted free agent deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That is uh, uh, a real feather in the cap because the Pittsburgh Steelers don't just invite anybody to camp. Like, that's one of those, that's one of those teams, and I know that there are people rolling their eyes right now. They're like, oh, God, here we go, talking about the Steelers. It, it's, it, they've earned it. Like there are there are certain franchises <clears throat> in sports that have earned the praise that they receive, and it's not because of championships and all this other stuff. It's because they have an indelible culture, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are at the top of that list. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers, they know who they are. They've been that way for fifty years, maybe even longer, and they never deviate from that. They have established a culture there in that building, in that franchise, that is unmistakable. And for Trevon Mason to get in, uh, invited to, uh, to play, on that, uh, play on that team and have a, have a workout and have a shot at uh, making the 53-man, you know, if he's able to ball out and show what he's got, then, uh, you know, I, I, listen, that's, that's a huge feather in the cap for Trevon Mason, and, and I certainly wish him all the best. He's been a fun watch here at Arizona, and, and he is, you know, when you when you're looking through the binoculars, when you're watching the game, when you're focused on every single play exactly where the ball is, the way that I am, you know, because I have to be, I have to take note of every single play that happens, who who had the ball, who tackled the ball, how many yards they gained, you know, all this other stuff. It's it's it's, it's all stuff that gets computed every eight seconds, you know, uh, of the game for me, and to see number ninety involved so many times over the years is uh is a real testament to how well he has played during his time here at Arizona. So wish him all the best with the Pittsburgh Steelers and hope to be watching him on Sundays. Look, Roy Lopez, okay? We we didn't know who Roy Lopez, a lot of people didn't know who Roy Lopez was, a defensive player, defensive lineman on a on a in a program who's not known for churning out defensive linemen. They sell Roy Lopez jerseys in Houston for the Texans like they're going out of style. Like I watched Texans games last year just flipping through, you know, red zone and stuff like that, and you would see they'd show the fans, you know, they're beating the, the wall, they're leaning over the wall, they're beating on the wall to make noise, and they're all wearing Roy Lopez jerseys. Like, they love Roy Lopez. A friend of mine is his cousin, and we were talking. He was just in town. Roy uh, Lopez was just in town a few weeks ago. And uh, the, the fans just love him. So you never know what, what's going to happen at the next level. Uh, and, again, that could be Trevon Mason. Could wish him all the best. Uh, I see. I certainly think he fits the culture there in Pittsburgh, and they seem to, they seem to think so as well. So, good on him. Looking forward to that. Um, other than that, really nothing else local. As I mentioned, nothing really in basketball. We, you know, we talked about 
the, 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 you know, the three guys that are leaving the program potentially for the NBA, the NBA draft, two of them have signed with agents and will not be able to return uh, via their, uh, the eligibility rules, which is fine. We expected uh, Benedict Matherin certainly to do that and kind of had a notion that Christian Coloco was going to do that as well. Dalen Terry still has until June 1st to decide whether he wants to sign with an agent or retain his eligibility for uh, another year at Arizona. And he, look, he's been moving up some of the uh, some of the draft boards as uh, he gets a little more recognition, and he'll get a lot more recognition coming up at the NBA Draft Combine as well. So, again, wishing all our boys the best at the NBA Draft Combine. All all three of those uh, players will be at the NBA Draft Combine. So, looking forward to uh, hearing some stories uh, from from the from the Draft Combine and see how they performed uh, over the week there. All right. We're going to take a timeout. When I return, the NFL schedule was released last week and immediately noticed some interesting news and notes and then started to do a little bit of a deeper dive over the weekend. And, man, there are some uh, really noteworthy quirks, as always, with the NFL schedule. But this year, I've got some interesting ones listed out here you may want to take note of. We'll talk about that next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Well, the NFL schedule came out, of course, last Thursday night. They make a spectacle out of it every, every single year, just like the NFL does. I have thoughts. I, I was going to share those thoughts on Thursday morning before... I was uh, too sick to go on the air. Nobody wants to hear me coughing and blowing my nose into a microphone for two hours. Um, I was going to give my thoughts. I think the NFL should make it a week-long thing. Like, they should reveal the first four weeks on Monday of the season, let people talk about that, you know, and then, then Tuesday, the next four weeks, and then Wednesday. It, it, like, do it that way. Like, that's how I would do it. If I were the NFL, I'd be like, hey, screw you, the, you know, screw the NBA, screw the NHL, screw Major League Baseball. We're going to take a whole week to release our schedule, and it's going to be the talking point of every radio and television sports show in the country. Eat it. <laughs> That's how I would do it. Instead of just doing it one night, and it's kind of like like spot revealing a Christmas game here or a Thursday game here. Like, no, man. Like, four weeks, here you go. Boom. Those first four weeks of the season. Next four weeks tomorrow. Boom. But what do I know? What I do know is that the NFL ain't messing around this year with the schedule. Like, they, they ain't playing. Week one, the sandwich games are Buffalo at the Rams on Thursday night. That's going to kick off the season. The Bills at the Rams. They all, people are always like, well, these are the two best teams. This is the best team in the AFC versus the best team in the NFC. Cool. Let's do it for game one. Okay. Let's really get this thing rolling. And then the, the end of the week one, uh, schedule is Denver at Seattle. Tickets for that game, first of all, that game's already sold out. A- according to a report that I saw, the the cheapest ticket that you can buy for that game is three hundred and fifty five dollars on the secondary market. Three hundred and fifty five dollars. This is not like <laughs> this is not a Super Bowl ticket. This is a Week One game against the Denver Broncos. However. Gosh, storylines involved there. I think many of you know what I'm talking about. Most of you should know. Uh, so, yeah, NFL ain't playing around. Week one, they're like, yep, we're going to do a Super Bowl preview on Thursday, and then we're going to send Russ back to Seattle <laughs> on, 
on Monday. And then, oh, yeah, in between, there are divisional games. Divisional games in week one. Indianapolis-Houston. Okay, fine. Houston's going to be terrible this year. We know that. New England-Miami. New Orleans-Atlanta. Pittsburgh-Cincinnati is in week one. Green Bay plays at Minnesota in week one. What? (laughs) What? What is this? NFL came out swinging. Kansas City Chiefs going to be traveling here to Glendale to take on the Cardinals at State Farm Stadium without D-Hop. Cardinals didn't get any breaks, by the way. We didn't get a chance to talk about this. We talked about it with with Tyler Drake a couple weeks ago. I know that maybe the NFL schedule comes out and and plays in their favor. Like, oh, maybe maybe they'll you know there won't be any, any big divisional games coming up, and you know they'll they'll be able to kind of skate by in the first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins. And then the NFL was like, <laughs> nope, sorry, you get Patrick Mahomes in your building for Week One. Good luck. And then we're going to follow it up with a bunch of other great teams. <laughs> oh, and by the way, then you have to travel to Carolina. It's it's the worst team you play, but you get to play on the road on an early morning Sunday, traveling across the country. Enjoy. You got the Raiders at the Chargers in Week One, and then you got Tampa Dallas t- Part Two in Week One. Like it, it is, what a Week One the NFL set us up with. I mean, they came out swinging. Here you go. Here's a little excitement to start you off for the 2022 season. Hope you all enjoy. I'm I'm dug in already. Now, I was looking at some of the quirks. I was just going through, and whether it's analyzing every single team's schedule, I'm not going to go through all of that, but talking to some people, you know, I obviously – I have friends who are fans of like every team. Like I, I don't, I don't think that there's a team that is not represented by one of my one of my friends as far as like fandom goes. Although I don't, I don't know if I have a Tennessee Titans friend fan. I, it's like that might be the one team that I can think of that I don't have. And regardless, let's take a look at some of the quirks that were handed out by the NFL in their schedule. Let's start with the Chiefs. Chiefs, first of all, starting off in Arizona. Certainly not easy, right? The Chiefs, and th- this might be the most quirky, most glaring thing about the the, the the 2022 NFL schedule, because this is this is the I believe I believe this is the only one of the uh, you know they become the first team ever to have this or do this or whatever. Like I, I believe that this is the only one of those uh, quirks in this season. The Kansas City Chiefs will become the first team in NFL history to open a season with eight straight games against teams that finished above 500 the previous season. Week one, they go to Arizona, obviously well above 500. The Chargers didn't make the playoffs, but above 500. Then they play at the Colts, didn't make the playoffs, but above 500. Buccaneers, NFC South champs, Raiders, okay, above 500. Bills, AFC East champs. 49ers in the playoffs, won two games in the postseason. Then they have their bye, and then they host the Tennessee Titans. They also get four consecutive home games in that stretch. Raiders, Bills, Niners, Titans. There's a bye in there, but regardless, four consecutive home games. So at least the NFL did them solid there, but they were like, all right, Kansas City, 
you're going to have to prove yourself right off the bat. And they say, well, how's that? We got eight straight games against teams that finished above 500 last year. Good luck with that. Have fun. The Bears, Bears, uh, this has been the first time, like this has happened in a, in a long time based on the, the, the market research. They will not leave the state of Illinois for the entire month of December. <laughs> they have all home games the entire month of December. Their first road game is will be January 1st. They, they, they have a Week 17 game on the road. Uh, is, that, is, that, is that Detroit? I think it's the Detroit game. But, yeah, the entire month of December, the Bears get to play at home. So, that's you know, yeah, good, good on you there. The Jets and the Ravens, this is an interesting one. Now, the Jets will start the season playing every team in the AFC North while the Ravens will start the season playing every team in the AFC East. <laughs> so they're like, they're like crossing paths here, and eventually they play each other. But the first four games of their seasons are against the, the opposing division. It's weird. Something we saw last year for the first time in NFL history, right? Maybe not. Maybe not the first time. It, 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 it's, it's certainly been a while. I can't remember the last time that teams played back-to-back games. But we saw right the Browns and the Ravens last year. Everybody hated it, right? When the Browns and Ravens played in those back-to-back games in the schedule last year, the NFL did it again this year. Not with the Browns and the Ravens. This time it's with two teams that people will care probably exponentially less about. But nonetheless, it's division games when the Commanders play the Giants in back-to-back weeks. There's a bye week in between, but they will play in back-to-back weeks, which is, or well, back-to-back games, I should say, not back-to-back weeks, back-to-back games. There are three teams in the NFL who will play their first two games on the road this year. Those are the Bucks, the Colts, and the Patriots. They don't get a home game until week three. And then there are other teams who won't be at home to end the season for two consecutive weeks. The uh, there are seven teams that are going to be playing on the road for two weeks in a row to end the season. And two of them are going to be playing divisional games on the road. One of them won't matter. The Carolina Panthers, they're playing two divisional road games to end their season. But the Vikings, two on the road in the division to end their season. could be uh, Their season could be over by then. It could be, hey, we were trying to first spot in the playoffs this year. Now, there's some other ones, and we'll go over here coming up after the break as we continue to talk some more NFL. We talk NFL every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. That is my promise to you, and we will talk more NFL next right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Talking some NFL here on the Jeff Dean Show and some uh, breaking news that we'll get into in just a moment. Kind of looking at the schedule, some of the quirky little things that we found in the NFL schedule this year. Um, Once again, there are week 14 bye weeks this year, which is weird. That is so late in the season, but the, the teams like it. Like the teams that they, I guess the teams that had them last year, like week 13 and week 14 buys, liked it. So the NFL has done it again, and this time it's six teams 
on a week 14 bye. The Falcons, the Bears, the Packers, the Colts, the Saints, and the Commanders all have week 14 buys. Again, there were week 14 buys last year, and it's the you know it's only the second time since they they expanded to 32 teams back in 2002 to have bye weeks this this late in the season. Um, so uh, it's it's interesting that they're 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 pushing some of these bye weeks so late they're spreading them out a little bit more. But six teams on a week 14 bye, it's a lot. Uh, Amazon, of course, we've been talking about this with Amazon now taking over the Thursday night games for weeks 2 through 17. There are three teams who won't appear on Amazon's Thursday night football, which I'm sure these teams are very happy about because nobody likes playing on Thursdays. Those teams are the Giants, the Vikings, and the Lions. The, uh, the Lions. Now, what do all three of those teams have in common? They're going to be playing on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so... So they they miss the the Amazon primetime you know Thursday night game of the week or whatever, but they're going to have to play on Thursday anyways because <laughs> all three of those teams are playing on Thanksgiving Day. So no one escapes a Thursday game this year. And looking at some long of the some of the longer road trips uh, in the uh, in the NFL this year, there's an interesting stat that goes along with this too. So stay with me on this. Now the Packers, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Eagles all have something in common this year where they're going to be the only teams in the NFL to play three consecutive road games. Now, most teams would scoff at the idea, playing three games on the road, that's absurd. However, um, the last, I, I guess, over the history of the NFL schedule, when teams have had to play three consecutive road games, uh, or I shouldn't say in the history because it doesn't go back that far, but let's say the last, you know, seven years, okay? Those teams are 22 and 11 in the in those in those road trips. So the, it's actually been pretty good for them to be able to get away from maybe some of the distraction at home or whatever. So it's actually been kind of strangely advantageous. 22 and 11 in those uh in those situations where teams played three consecutive road games. So those are just some of the quirks that we noticed from uh, from the NFL schedule. Again, it's going to be another great NFL year. It always is. Looking forward to it. And as I mentioned, the NFL just coming out swinging in week one. Some breaking news that happened, oh, about uh, 40 minutes ago, 45 minutes ago or so. As Jair Alexander, the uh, the, look, the the spectacular corner for the, uh, for the Green Bay Packers, who was injured all of last season for the most part, got himself paid today. He was a first-round pick in the 2018 draft. He was set to make $13.3 million this year. However, he is now going to receive $31 million and a signing bonus this year as Green Bay is set to finalize a four-year, $84 million extension that will keep Jair Alexander under contract in Green Bay through the end of the 2026 season. Now, this is – he's earned it. Uh, I, I don't think that this was a situation where people are going to be surprised. You got to keep your your CB ones happy, right? Got to keep QB one happy. Got to keep wide receiver one happy now, apparently, and you got to keep CB one happy as well. And he is definitely CB one for the Green Bay Packers. He is he is every bit as good as the top five corners in the in the NFL. Um, and again, you know, he forty six career starts. 
Um, not a big, you know, ball hawk guy. Only five interceptions in his 48 career games, but he's a Pro Bowl selection in 2020, um, and now is the highest paid corner in the NFL. And, and like I said, I think he's earned it. I think he's one of the best corners in the league, and you have to pay them as such if you want to keep them happy and, and keep them on the field as far as, you know, focused and dialed in and stuff like that for you. So uh, Jair Alexander getting that bank today as uh, they're going to back up the brinks. $31 million in guarantees and signing bonuses just in year one. But it, it's a it's a cap-friendly year one for the Packers. Obviously it has to be because they've spent so much money this offseason. Uh, it just it, it goes to show you, like, these capologists for, for NFL teams, it may be the most like unheralded yet invaluable position in an NFL team. If you have a capologist or a room of capologists who can really manipulate the financial aspect of the system, you have you have got a leg up on the other teams. If you if if you're better at capology than any of the other 31 NFL teams, you've got an advantage, period, end of story. I'm not saying that the Packers are that team. I don't know – I honestly don't know who that team would be. I know that there are some teams that do things smartly uh, as far as the way they pay players. Uh, the the Patriots have never really overextended for players. They get their kind of guys, you know, their OKGs, as Rich Rod used to call them. Um, again, very successful, but that was also based on the fact that they had the greatest quarterback of all time continuing to take pay cuts and you know so that they could re-sign offensive linemen and linebackers and you know maybe occasionally spend a couple of dollars on a wide receiver for him to throw the football to but a lot of it is also dependent on the individuals i think green bay is doing a phenomenal job of getting people paid outside of the fact that their quarterback demanded 50 million dollars a year this offseason which again i'll continue to beat that dead horse you have two choices in pro sports. Either you're the highest paid player at your position or you win championships. There's, there is no and. There is no and. You're either or. Drew Brees, a guy who was always cap friendly in New Orleans, there's a, a lot of reasons why New Orleans was successful and able to build that really, really stout defense they've had for the last uh, probably four years, I would say, going on four or five years now that, that New Orleans has that really, really good defense. And of course, the year they, they won, uh, they led the NFL in takeaways. Uh, but it's be, it's been a lot of it has been because of guys like Drew Brees who have never really wanted to be the highest-paid guy at his position, just wanted to win championships. Now, over the weekend, it started with a report saying that Drew Brees was going to leave NBC, but then it escalated into something a lot more significant. Now, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post does a, a lot of, uh, of NFL writing. He reported that quarterback or former quarterback Drew Brees was going to be leaving NBC, but then Drew responded on Twitter and said, quote, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I am currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. <sighs> okay. Now, the, the, the rumors that Drew, that Drew Brees wanted to leave NBC are palpable. He's not, Andrew Marshawn isn't the only one that's been talking about that. There's, there's been some, some rumbling that, that Drew Brees may be wanting to leave 
NBC is just not not as familiar and comfortable in the booth as, as some of the others. And, look, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, it takes a very special person to put on a microphone and talk about sports for four hours. It's, it's, it's not easy. And it is a lot of work. <clears throat> not saying that he's not willing to put in the work. I'm just saying it is a lot of work. It's not, it's not just, you know, let's coast. But if he leaves the broadcast booth to go back onto the field, whoa, <laughs> I mean, that's huge news, right? I mean, what is the market for Drew Brees out there? Certainly there are teams that feel that they could upgrade. The Carolina Panthers could certainly upgrade. They just said that Sam Darnold's going to be QB1 going into the offseason or going into the preseason. Good Lord. Poor Matt Rule, honestly. <laughs> and I mean that. Uh, but, I mean, what you know? what's the market for Drew Brees? We, the last we saw, it was difficult for him to throw a football 40 yards down the field with any kind of oomph on on the pass. Uh, he, he It's not a dead arm. He's not out there like Ben Roethlisberger, barely able to complete a 10-yard pass. But he certainly doesn't have that factor that makes Drew Brees the Hall of Fame quarterback that he was. He's one of the best deep ball throwers in the history of the game, even at a diminutive stature, having to find ways to look over the offensive line, was still able to deliver the ball downfield with great accuracy. So I don't know what the market would be for a guy like Drew Brees. I don't know if he would go back to New Orleans. Yeah, I I, I honestly don't don't know. Um, But he he would be having to get out of his contract at NBC if that were the case. And, you know, who knows? But uh, interestingly enough, he responded on Twitter to that report and did definitely put, I'm currently undecided, I may play football again. That is, that is throwing chum into the water, Drew Brees. <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, you can, but you're going to get a whole lot of media talking about you. And he's never been a, a guy like that. He's never been the, the media, uh, you know, hound, the, the spotlight hound that some of the other people are. But, uh interesting to see what happens, what his decision will be if he, in fact, does leave NBC, which I think that is. I, I, I don't know if it's a foregone conclusion, but uh, I, I believe that that's where he's leaning, definitely leaving NBC but figuring out what he's going to do next. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, I'll put a big, bright, red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, looking at the latest Baseball America Top 25 that was just released. We got a new number one. Tennessee has leapfrogged over Oregon State. Rightfully so. Uh, Oregon State loses two out of three on the road at Arizona. They move down to number two. Tennessee back in the number one spot uh, where they've been most of the season. Stanford coming in at number five in Baseball America's top 25. And then you've got to kind of move down a little bit here to number 22 where UCLA comes in in the uh, Baseball America top 25. And at number 25, a familiar face, the Arizona Wildcats coming in at number 25 right now, ranked 25th in the country, Baseball America's top 25. Um, and you know, look, right, rightfully so. They took a season series or a weekend series from uh, from Oregon State, the previous number one team, jumping back up into the the top twenty five, and now have an opportunity to solidify themselves in that top twenty five as they finish up the regular season uh, in Eugene against the Oregon Ducks, and then the Pac twelve baseball tournament. Now, 
Uh, I want to mention that previously I had said something about one of the, you know those teams, one of those teams jumping up and, and winning the the Pac-12 baseball tournament, the first ever Pac-12 baseball tournament. Like when I was mentioning Washington State and USC, uh, I forgot that that's not going to happen because the Pac-12 baseball tournament is an eight-team tournament. So three teams get left out in the Pac-11 of baseball. No Colorado. Um, so the the bottom three teams, which you know right now obviously they are uh, Utah, Washington State. USC will not be at the Pac-12 tournament unless things change. And I, they may still be eligible to, to get in. I'm not exactly sure. I didn't break down the schedule that much. But just so you know, yeah, I had said unless they jump up. But remember, the uh, and this is a first, first time for all of us, right? Uh, the Pac-12 tournament is only an eight-team tournament. So those three teams will likely be out. And there won't be a, you know, a Cinderella story, so to speak, unless it's the eight seed or the seven seed jumping up to take out the uh, the top seeds in that tournament. So Arizona currently at twenty five again, taking on Oregon, who's just outside the top twenty five in the uh, in the national rankings. So uh, you know again, you know, and with if they get a road series victory, if they're able to take two out of three in Eugene, those weigh a little bit more heavily in the RPI, give you a little bit more of a boost, and see if Arizona can uh, get themselves a little bit more of a favorable seating in the regionals and such uh, once all the dust is settled here in conference play. Tomorrow we're going to be talking, we'll talk some more NBA as I get a chance to to digest and kind of chew on what the, what the Suns are doing. Obviously there will be some reports and things like that from the media coming out over the next couple of days as the Suns do their exit interviews with the media and, and talk about those things. And they, I don't believe they're going to happen today. They'll probably happen tomorrow um, as the team goes home and <clears throat> cleans out their lockers and such like that for the uh, for the offseason. And uh, they lock the doors and the offices and whatnot. So the, uh, the there will be some uh, some media discussion. I'm sure there will be a press conference uh, today or tomorrow, I'm guessing. Um, I haven't gotten news of that. But nonetheless, there will be some stuff. And we'll have, of course, all that coverage for you. We'll keep you abreast of any of the news coming out of Tucson in regards to any of the local programs there, some of the things going on, if anything is newsworthy. Of course, you can always follow on Twitter. You can follow me at UAZ Voice, along with all the other great uh, members of the media that are in Tucson that cover the uh, the athletics department there uh, on Twitter. And uh, you can follow them. I, in fact, I encourage you to do so. I follow them all myself. So uh, important to uh, uh, to keep that information flowing. We'll also have a little bit of a preview for the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals as we gear up for the Final Four in the NBA. We'll have a little breakdown of the NBA, uh, NHL Stanley Cups as the season uh, round two begins. There were five Game 7s in the NHL over the weekend, in the opening round. I'm telling you folks, I've, been, I, I've said it for years, Stanley Cup playoffs are the best playoffs in sports. And there were five Game 7s this weekend. Two of them last night were rem- incredible games. Overtime going late in the evening. I had a blast washing down the Suns' horrible display with some great NHL hockey. So we'll talk about that and whatever else happens to pop up throughout the day. Don't forget to tune in to Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6. And I will see you guys again tomorrow morning right here, right and early at 7 a.m. on ESPN Tucson. Thanks to Mary back in the studio for pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air. And, of course, thanks to you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you again tomorrow right here for the next edition of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.